Tell them. There's different ways that uh, churches preach and preachers preach and different styles of preaching. And what we tend to do here is do what's called exegetical, verse-by-verse preaching through the scriptures. And the reason for that is you can't get away from anything. Some pastors will preach for 40 years and they've never touched one hot-button issue because it's just so much easier. Let's just tiptoe through the tulips of Scripture and find all my favorite verses, and that's all we're going to hit. We don't get to do that because of the way that we preach. So we go through 1 Peter, and we get to the part about submitting to authority, whether that's the president or whether that's the governors or whether that's your parents or whether that's your master or whether that's your husband. And I get to preach on all that, and it's the best. So today, let's just get into slavery. You know, let's just jump right into it. Um, The best way to start with any subject is to remember that if it was not for the grace of God, you would be the slave owner. Every one of you. And you think, never me. Well, have you ever thought of anybody as less than yourself? Absolutely. You ever lie? You ever steal? You ever make fun of somebody? Ever take someone or something from somebody? It's all in there. It's all in there for you to be as much of a slave as it is to be a slave master. So be careful being on your high horse thinking that I would never. Because you might. We got it pretty nice right now. We got jobs and we got... Uh, places we can go, and we got a certain amount of government health care and things like that. But should things go sideways, you may find yourself right back in the same position we were before. Even in poverty, here, you find yourself working for terrible people because you need to, because you have to, because this is the only boss I could get. Maybe you got a rap sheet, like as long as my arm, And the only guy who's going to give you a job is a terrible person. How then should I respond to that terrible person? See, call it what you will, you must start all of these conversations with the mindset of, I am a sinner saved by grace, and if it was not for the grace of God, I would be the murderer. I would be the rapist. I would be the slave owner. I would be that person. And to think of others as better than yourself. It's all super hard. And not only that, right, but to remember who Christ is and what he did for us. And all of this submission that we've been talking about in Peter so far is hinged upon the understanding of Christ's submission to the people here on earth. And Christ's submission to his Father. And that is how we then learn to submit to the people who are in authority over us. But it's not just like grudging submission either. That is not what God wants. He wants something different and completely unique to the Christian. 
and that is the submission with respect. That's the harder thing. Submission without the backbiting. Submission without the rebellion. And it's hard. The first sermon I preached here in Peter, following after my dad was in the beginning of Peter, we talked about the internal war that you have. You either submit to the flesh or you submit to the spirit. Um, Because the, the flesh is at war with your body. It's at war with your soul. And then next is, right, that you want to instead submit to the spirit. Because there's no law against that. There's laws against stealing and there's laws against all the list of sins out there. But there's no law against doing good. There's no law against patience and against righteousness. Against forgiveness. Against repentance. So it says there's no law against these things. Do these more and more. Whether it's good works, more. Patience, more. Love, more. All these things, more. That's what we discussed first. Then we discussed submission to authority. Whether that's the king as ruler or as governors who are sent by him. Whether that's to your parents. Whether that's to the police. Whoever is in authority above you, you're to submit to them. But not only to submit to them with your teeth like bared, uh, talking behind their backs. But to submit to them with respect because they were put there in place by God. That's like clear in scripture, top to bottom. All authority is given by God, is put there by him. And he defines what our government should be doing, what authority should be doing, and that should be to punish lawbreakers and to reward people who do good. That is what our government should be doing. It way oversteps its bounds, but that is what our government should be doing. And we should submit to that. The only time we are to not submit to these things is whenever we are being asked to sin. When being asked to sin, like we talked about last week, you're to fear God first and foremost. Do not fear man who can only kill the body, but fear God who can cast both body and soul into hell. That is who you should fear. So ultimately, when the king says bow, you say no. When the king says steal, you say no. Whatever it is that the king says, if it is against God, you say no, and you will suffer for it. And it's not unique to the Christian because Christ suffered for it. And if Christ would suffer, the one who deserved no suffering, then why should we surprise, why should we be surprised when we suffer for doing good? And so as we continue into 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18, we jump right into slaves. So we've talked to people as a whole submitting to the king. And remember, all these things are not easy. Peter's not going, you know, this one should be easy. Submit to Nero. This one should be easy, slaves. Submit to your master. He's saying these things because they are hard, not because they are easy. Because the people need to be reminded. Because the people are slipping. Because the people are getting a very worldly mindset. Uh, that says, I should rebel against all authority. Maybe they were saying, my authority is the Lord, and therefore I rebel against all other authority. And what Peter's saying is we need to be reminded that all authority is put there by God, and you're to submit to it. And that's hard, but that's exactly what he says. He says this, slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. Immediately, you should feel resistance. You should feel resistance just whenever I say, obey your parents. 
We talked about that before. Any form of submission is hard for us. We want to be free in the most absolute sense. But absolute freedom just becomes anarchy when everybody does what is right in their own eyes. We as a people are created to be under authority, and that's God's authority. And because of our sin, we are given rulers and leaders and dictators and all the rest. And we are to submit to them as well. And we're not supposed to submit to them because they're good. And we're not supposed to respect these masters because they're good. We're supposed to respect them because God is good. So again, it's not unique to the human condition to kind of feel that resistance or rebellion. How can you ask me to submit to my master? That's crazy. I understand that to the natural man, like every teaching of the Bible, every one, everything that the Bible asks us to do that is against our sinful nature will just make our hair like stand up on end, make us grind our teeth. It's not unusual to the natural man. Now, when we talk about slavery, right, we can jump right to Deuteronomy 24-7 that says this. If a man is caught kidnapping one of his brother Israelites and treats him as a slave or sells him, the kidnapper must die. You must purge the evil from among you. Right? We want to jump to that and say, see, God hates man stealing and God hates slavery. But then you would have to go like Leviticus, like I read earlier today. That says that your male and female slaves are to come from nations around you. From them you should buy slaves. You may also buy some of the temporary residents living among you and members of their clans born into your country, and they will become your property. You can will them to your children as inherited property and can make them slaves for life, but you must not rule over your fellow Israelites ruthlessly. Right? And then you're stuck there. Christians should face everything that's said in the Bible in its context. Not be afraid of it, not dance around it. You should dig into it hard and go, why did he say that and for what reason did he say that? And as I touched on before, slavery was and always is hard. At times, slavery was literally to save your life. You sold yourself to somebody to survive. That was your only chance. Die or work for somebody who had protection who had a military, who had walls around their house, who had food, and so you sold yourself to them to save your family. All of us work for someone to save our family and to provide for them, or you start your own business. And then someone works for you. There's always been some sort of disparity, and it's our job as Christians to be generous, to be kind, to be respectful, to be giving, to offer hope and healing and a place to go. And so again, like we touched on, in the New Testament, there is no major rebellion against slavery. Instead, there's a conversation. How should you react if you are a slave? And how should you be as a master of slaves? Because there's all sorts of different types of slaves and bond servants and servants and everything else. But the big point in this passage is not even slavery. Slavery was just a thing that was there everywhere. The big thing here is submission. The big point here is submission to the worst kind of people. 
no matter who you are, slave or free, doesn't matter. Even a master submits to somebody. The big point in Peter is that we all submit to someone. And how are we to do that? It says that you're supposed to submit with respect. And that is the hard thing. To submit is hard enough. To submit with respect is the hard thing. And it says not only to those who are good and considerate, because there were some very good and considerate masters who are legitimately saving your life, who are legitimately educating you and teaching you so that they could succeed and so that you could succeed. And especially for the Israelites, as they succeeded, and then you hit the year of Jubilee, and then you were free to go, you were given so much wealth that you had earned as your time in slavery. You were brought into a home for a lifetime, if you were taken as an outsider, to become one of the family members, protected. But you, a lot of times, would get a terrible master. And God did not say run. He said submit. Not just to those who are good, but to those who are harsh as well. It's unique, again, for our situation today because none of us are in slavery. And so it seems a strange conversation. Like, what's the application here for me today? You know, what is my takeaway today? Um, there's a ton of it. There will be people who are mean to you and who are harsh to you, and you are to respect them, whether master or not. You are to submit when it's right by you to do so, especially if they're your authority, not just to those who are kind and considerate. When we were talking in Sunday school today, I said, have you ever had a coach who was awesome, just like the nicest guy, and then a coach who was like, really harsh, just over the top. And the kids are like, oh, absolutely. They could probably name a couple of them, right? And they are supposed to respond to both the harsh and to the kind with respect. And that is hard. But that is where the testimony comes in of Christ. That is where God is glorified. That is where the Christian shines because the world says rebel, hate, curse, Whatever you can to ruin this person's life, do it. And you're saying, I'm not going to do it. Verse 19 says this, For it's commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he's conscious of God. God just doesn't say, and we talked about this before, uh, submit because I said so. He says submit because you're conscious of God. You're conscious that God will take revenge. It's his job to repay. You don't have to do it. Because God has forgiven you, therefore you can forgive them. Because he loves his enemies and died for his enemies, therefore you can love your enemies. It's commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering. Notice this. Not because he's super arrogant and prideful. This is important as well. Right again, the world without Christ bears up under suffering and becomes more arrogant. It is just like 
pounding my chest. Look who I am. I stood up under this suffering. This is not what God wants. God wants you to stand up under suffering in humility. To walk out the other side with humility and a better understanding of how Christ suffered and gave up his life. The Christian has a view of, I am a sinner. I deserve the punishment that I get, whatever that is. And every good thing that I get is a gift from God. And that keeps me extremely humble, at least it should. So it's commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he's conscious of God. But how is it, to your credit, if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. So slaves were beaten. Peter is talking to churches with slaves who were beaten. And what does he say to them? How is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? How's that to your credit? I believe what they mean here is, if you've done something wrong, and all of us as kids have done this, and maybe even to this day do this, where what we do is we do something wrong, we take the beating, we endure it, and we do the wrong thing again. And sometimes that's like a matter of pride. I've been in prison like 12 times. They can't hold me down. I'll continue to steal. I'll continue to lie. I'll continue because I endure all that. I can endure all the suffering. Put me in like the worst prison. I'll take it. Right? You can just see like the pride and the endurance. And what Christ is saying, who cares if you endure for doing wrong and continue to do it? The wise man suffers for his wrong and changes. He does not endure the suffering. Instead, he suffers for doing wrong and changes. He buckles. That is what a wise man does if he's suffering for doing wrong. Does that make sense? When your parents discipline you and punish you and correct you, you should buckle, not become more prideful. You will grow in humility and in good relationship, and in good standing. But if you suffer for doing good, and then you endure it, this is commendable before God. If you do good, and you're beaten, and you continue to do good, that is commendable. You endure under that, and you endure because of Christ. Again, not out of your arrogance, or your own strength, or whatever it is, but because of Christ endured suffering, I also can endure suffering. If he can forgive me, I can forgive them, and I will continue to do, good, to do good for my Savior. And I will continue to respect my Master. That is the hard thing. That is the truth of Peter. That submission is not easy. That suffering is inevitable. And that Christ also suffered. We do not serve a God who is so far off that he does not suffer. But we serve a God who walked among us and suffered. The only innocent one right? So funny, like how angry we get when someone does us harm. Just furious, as if we do not deserve harm to ever come upon us. It's just like the smallest things flare up our pride. If someone's doing something and you're looking over their shoulder and you're like, hey man, you shouldn't do it that way. You're like, hey, I know what I'm doing. 
Get off my back. As if you've never made a mistake in your life. Right? Parents watching their kids do this or that. Hey, I just wanted to remind you today that like whenever you go out, put on your helmet. And they're like, Dad, I always put on my helmet. I would never go out without a helmet. Right? Immediately our pride flares up that I would never make a mistake. And we do all the time. I would never sin. And we do all the time. It's like the foundation of our being. If you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. This is how we should be as Christians. To this we were called, verse 21, because Christ suffered for you and he left you an example that you should follow in his steps. You all were called to do good. You all were called to submit to respect and to suffer as Christ did. The word example in scripture, the illustration is like taking a a drawing and putting it under a piece of paper or taking writing and putting it under a piece of paper and tracing that thing. So it's taking that example. So it's taking Christ and holding him up and making your life like his. So then what was his life like? He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. The amount of time that we spend, like, just saying, man, if I had a chance to say something to that guy, I'm going to say this. Like, man, that guy said this thing to me, but I got something to say to him when I see him later. Right, I'm going to have the perfect bumper sticker on my car, and I'm going to tell them exactly what I think about them. This Facebook post is going to melt everybody's brains when I post it. I can't even wait, right? Just so much anger that we want to uh, correct everybody. And what does he say? When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. We as Christians should be so unique that you can come at me with the most vitriolic words that I have ever heard in my life, and I can easily say to you, I'm actually worse than what you just said. I'm actually worse. Like, good try, you can come up with something worse. In my heart, I am deceitfully wicked, right? Above all else, who can know it? I do not even know my own heart well enough to know the depths of sin I can get away with. The way I've twisted a word here or there, taken a glance here or there, a little money here or there, whatever it is, right? The murderous thoughts, the slander, the provocation, unjust punishment, judgmental, right? The whole attitude just broken from the depths. So whenever somebody says something of you, I'm actually worse than what you're saying right now. And yet Christ died for me. Can you believe that? That should be the heart of the Christian in our conversations. The heart of the Christian is, if only you knew the forgiveness of Christ for this sinner right now. 
There's nothing you can say to me right now that is worse than what I already know, and I have already thrown my life on Christ. That should be our view. The only sinless one, the one who committed no sin, suffered in my place. The one who needed no forgiveness forgave me. He had every right to retaliate against those who beat him, and he did not. I have no right. He had every right. He could have just evaporated everybody standing there. He could have gone down the line of people while he was on the cross and said, hey, everybody, listen to the sins of this guy and listed them off one by one and just crushed his soul. Hey, look look at that soldier over there. You know what he did? And just crushed his soul. And instead he offered forgiveness and grace and mercy Enough that the thief on the cross who mocked him in the beginning said at the end, yeah, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Surely this is the Son of God. This is why we submit, because Christ submitted. This is why we respect, because Christ was respectful. This is why we do not hurl insults at people who insult us. If God, who is perfect, did not threaten, then we also do not need to threaten. And instead we can say, God will decide in the end. God will judge justly between us. Revenge is God's, not mine. And so instead I want to offer you today forgiveness and submission and respect Because my Savior has. He is my example. Verse 24. He himself, he bore our sins on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And by his wounds you have been healed. It's amazing in any relationship that our goal oftentimes is not to bear the weight of the sin of others but to make the person feel the weight of their own sin. Does that make sense? What we want is for that person to feel the weight of their sin. I want them to know how badly they hurt me. That's what I want. But Jesus says that is not the goal. The goal of to Christian is to bear the weight of that person's sin. And better yet, to let Jesus bear the weight of that person's sin. Does that make sense? When you forgive, you are paying the penalty for that person's sin. You are saying, I know you have sinned and you have hurt me and I will bear it because I love you. And I hope to God that he forgives you. Not I hope to God that you burn. That is not the goal of the Christian. The goal of the Christian is always to offer hope and forgiveness for those who sin against us, to bear their sins, that we might die to sin and live for righteousness is why Jesus died, that by his wounds we have been healed. How have we been healed? In every way that is necessary. It's not necessary that I'm no longer a paraplegic. Unnecessary. It's not necessary that I see again or that I walk again or that I talk again or that my marriage is mended or that my children come back to life. Zero of that is necessary. 
What is necessary is that your soul is healed. You were once dead and now you're alive. You were once blind spiritually and now you see. You were once dead in sin and now you are alive in Christ. That is what is necessary. And by Christ's wounds, you have been healed right now. And so that now you can live in slavery and be okay. You can live in prison and be okay. You can live under a dictator and be okay. And that is the testimony of the Christian that I will have as much joy in a prison cell as I will on my birthday party. Does that make sense? That is the goal of Christianity, to know Christ and to know love and to know forgiveness so well that should I be whipped and beaten by the worst of slaves... I have a master who is gentle and kind and peaceful. I do not have to retaliate. I do not have to hope for their death, but instead I can hope for their salvation. And that will just blow people's minds. And you cannot get away from that in Scripture. By his wounds you have been healed. You were like sheep that went astray. Not everybody else. You were like sheep who went astray. So stop pointing fingers at everybody else. But now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. He's reminding them, you were wandering just like everybody else that we're talking about. Just like your masters. Just like Nero. Just like, but the shepherd found you and saved you and made you new. Be humble. Offer that same forgiveness. Offer the body of Christ to people as a suffering servant on the cross, that they can rest in what he has done for them, that he not only died, but that he rose again, conquering death, that he loves to save the worst slave masters. He loves to save murderers. He loves to save rapists, and he loves to save you. Loves it. Offer that to people. Rest in that yourself. Find peace there and healing there. It's the only way that you can find rest for your souls. You were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Therefore, I can submit to others for Christ's sake. To the worst and to the best, with all respect, into the glory of God. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you for your word. It is hard, but it is also just brings so much peace. Helps us to sleep. Helps us not to hope harm for others, but the best for others. Help us not to come up with more insults, but more ways to offer grace. Help us to love our enemies, to bless those who curse us. Help us to be good bosses and good husbands and good wives. Help us to submit to one another in love. Help us to offer kindness. Help us to offer forgiveness. Help us to also remember your sacrifice for us that drives it all. Or we just become arrogant and proud like the rest of the world, thinking, ah, my forgiveness comes from me. May my forgiveness come from the fact that you have forgiven me the worst kind of sinner. Help me to rest in that and offer that to the worst masters. In Christ's name, amen.
looks like the wives and husbands got off for another week. He didn't quite get that far. So you be ready next week, because it'll come out. Let's turn to hymn number 500. All that we do, we do for Jesus. Hymn number 500, all for Jesus. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my being's ransom powers, all my thoughts and words and doings, all my days and all my hours. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my days and all my hours. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my days and all my hours. Let my hands reform his bidding, let my feet run in his ways. Let my eyes see Jesus only, let my lips speak forth his praise. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my days. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, let my lips speak forth his praise. Since my eyes were fixed on Jesus, I've lost sight of all beside. So in chains my spirit's vision, looking at the crucified. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, looking at the crucified. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, looking at the crucified. Oh, what wonder, how amazing, Jesus, glorious King of kings, deigns to call me his beloved, lets me rest beneath his wings. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, resting now beneath his wings. All for Jesus, Jesus, resting now beneath his wings. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for messages that remind us that we are sinners saved by grace. We're grateful to be in your care, that you are the one watching over us. You are changing us. Help us to see our world the way you see it. Help us to live in our world the way you would desire us to live and the way you lived. Let us be willing to suffer even for doing good, that we might do it in a way that would bring glory to you and draw others to your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the messages today. Work in our life and heart, and we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed.